I think the most important thing that I look for is that people are cooking my recipes every night, you know, and that they're good and that they're enjoying them in their own homes. Like that's what I set out to do is provide good recipes for them. And as long as I'm getting tagged in these recipes and people are telling me I cooked this last night, it was so good. Like that to me is success. Yep. Hello everyone. My name is Chris Powers and I want to thank you for joining me on the Fort Podcast. This show is an open-ended discussion and journey covering business, ideas, entrepreneurship, investing, and life. We take an unconventional approach that leans into thoughts and ideas that aren't often publicly discussed. We'd love to hear from you at thefortpodcast at gmail.com. Chris Powers is the founder and CEO of Fort Capital. All opinions expressed by Chris and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Fort Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for real estate or investment decisions. Hey guys, it's Chris. Thanks for joining me today on the Fort Podcast. Excited to have Alex Snodgrass, the CEO and founder of The Defined Dish, a food blog and influencing company growing rapidly here in Dallas, Texas. Alex has grown her brand to over 225,000 loyal followers and is a leading example in the influencer quote unquote industry. Today we talk about what it is to be an influencer. Over 49% of young people born after 1995 have talked about wanting to be an influencer when they grow up. And a lot of what we think about here at Fort is the companies of the future also think of themselves as media companies. Um, We live in a world today with unbelievable distribution capability the ability to share content uh, and value to your audience and Alex has done that incredibly well and today shares what that experience has been like how she thinks about growth what the numbers mean to her but more importantly how she delivers value to her community which keeps her growing so excited to have this conversation today and thanks again for tuning in Okay, guys, I'm really excited today to have a longtime friend of mine, Alex Snodgrass, on the podcast today. Alex is the CEO and founder of The Defined Dish, a food blog, and is one of the fastest growing influencers within the space. Has over 225,000 followers currently, which is like a lot of small cities in the country. Uh, Think of Reno, Nevada. (laughs) The That's whole crazy. city would follow Alex. So uh, one of the kindest people uh, really promoting a healthy lifestyle. This will be a fascinating conversation. And I really want to thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So how did this journey start? Like, I, did you set out to become an influencer or did it kind of find you? You know, it really more so kind of found me. I found myself after having kids being at home and staying at home mom. And I wanted something creative. I've always loved cooking. I've always loved sharing my recipes with my families and friends. And my sister actually kind of started an Instagram handle for fitness. And she wanted to start an actual website. And we decided to team up together. She was going to do the fitness. I was going to do the food. Hence the name, The Mm -hmm. Defined Dish. Kind of doesn't really go anymore, but whatever, it's there. And so we started together. We did it for a couple years. It was a very inconsistent, kind of fun little side hobby and she decided to stop doing it once she got engaged and was dealing with the wedding. And it, we were just, I mean, it wasn't very important to us at the time. Right. And whenever she bowed out, I thought about it and I thought, this is really fun for me. It's a really good creative outlet. I think I could actually 
this is the time whenever I thought, okay, I can actually turn this into a business and change my website, make it more user-friendly, um, really delve in and be more consistent and maybe I can create a side hustle for myself. And now it's a full time, yeah. <laughs> full blown hustle, but, um, it's been, it's been kind of funny. How long ago did you come to that realization? So how long have you really been doing this full time? I would say two and a half to three years. Okay. I guess when you, when you started with the account that was already in play, how many fans or followers did you start with then? When she left, we probably had about 12,000 followers. Okay. Um, and it was just kind of the perfect storm whenever she did leave. It had nothing to do with her leaving other than the fact that I do think it's hard to have the duo thing on an Instagram handle, especially with stories. It's hard to follow. It gets confusing and there's these two personalities, but Aside from that, it was more that I read at the site, our site before, I would be so embarrassed if anyone were to see it now. Mm-hmm. Our pictures were terrible. Um, it was very hard to navigate. And it was also the same time that stories became popular. Right. And I didn't, before, we never showed really us behind the food. And what I realized is it's so important for people to see the person behind the food because there's this emotional connection. And to me, food just is so much more than like what you eat. There's this whole you know, mindset behind it and this love that comes behind it. And I think once I was able to show myself and my family and people were able to found that re- relatability, yeah. it really changed a lot. So it was this perfect storm between rebranding stories and all that. So when you started, and I think one of the things, even with Fort and the content we put out, did you go into it going, I wonder how I'm going to come up with enough ideas to keep this going? Will it ever run out? Or was it like, I will, I will find stuff to talk about. You know, that's the one thing that people always ask me. And that's probably the easiest part for me. The ideas, I literally dream about food, what I can make with it and turn it into all these different things. So the creating the content is probably the easiest part for me. It's all the other fluff that I didn't dream of even doing (laughs) whenever I started this cute little blog. Like it's just a lot more work than you can ever imagine. Great work. I'm so grateful for it, but there's a lot more that goes behind it than I thought. But the content creation is probably the easiest part for me. But I do try to focus on letting it still be fun because cooking is fun for me. And I think that's part of the love and why my brand grows is because people can see that. And if I lose that, I think it's all going to be lost. So I really try to focus on keeping it fun and enjoying it. One of the things you do, especially in your stories, I've always noticed, and I I just have to ask is, you'll set the phone or something above your hands, and uh-huh. then it's videoing you making it. Is that just some stand that you made, or no, you can buy those? It's so funny because it's just my cabinet. <laughs> okay. And I always tell people that like I don't understand, and I literally just set my phone where it's face down, other cameras pointing down, and just barely overhang it from the ledge. Yep. And I've tried to buy a contraption. The cabinet works better. Yep. <laughs> so open your cabinets, set it on the little shelf, and you've got yourself your own MacGyver. Perfect stand. Yep. <laughs> did somebody teach you how to build this, or did you just kind of continue researching how to build this out? And and fast forward to today, I feel like you were really in on the ground floor as this was happening. For people now wanting to get into this world, which I read a statistic before here, of millennials born in 1995 or later (laughs) stated they wanted to be an influencer when they grew up. Are there schools now that are teaching this or like how do people learn how to become this or is it just put out great content that's genuine and work hard at it? I think a lot of it's the latter, of course. I think that's the life force behind it, but obviously you have to figure out as you go how to do it right. 
And for me, it's just been a learning experience day by day. You know, I rebranded my site. I obviously hired somebody to build my website. I don't know how to build a website. And then after that, I hit a point where my website was crashing all the time because my numbers were too high. Okay, what do I do next? And you Google it, you figure it out, you find a new, you know, web hoster and they, and I have a really great host that helps me a lot whenever I come into like technical issues and web developers. So it's been a learning experience and I found people along the way that I kind of hire out like contract wise and they help fix those things. Are they all local or are they specialized people around? <laughs> Nobody's local, yeah. which I don't know why, but actually, uh, I don't know if you know, um, Blair Colwell, she went to yep. TCU and she has a blog and she's in Chicago and she was kind of one of the OG bloggers. She started her blog before bloggers were really big and I've really used her as a mentor and she's super tech savvy, whereas I am very not. And whenever I've come up with those issues, I call her and she usually, if she doesn't know how to do it, she knows someone that does. And she's connected me with a lot of her resources to fix up my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Do you use, uh, are you on WordPress or? Word? I am still on WordPress. Okay. Um, and it's easy to function and yeah. it's, it's worked for me up to this point. So we'll see. Yep. So you, you get started, this thing's growing. When did it become, uh, was there kind of a moment where you just kind of thought, all right, this is getting real. This, this is taking on a life of its own. <laughs> is there a point in time where you almost feel, you feel like you have to keep providing your users what they want? And if you, I would imagine if you go a couple days and they don't hear from you, they're like, oh, what yeah. is going on? <laughs> yeah. A couple hours. Like, where have yeah, you been? <laughs> I know. It's definitely a little overwhelming in that sense. I would be lying if I said it wasn't because sometimes you're just tired yep. and you don't want to show up and be all cutesy on Instagram all day. And in the past, it really would affect me. But after I got to a point when I realized, you know what, if I don't take these breaks for myself and be present with my family, then this is all going to crash and burn anyway. So I need to take that time. And I really do treat it, try to treat it like a nine to five job. The weekends, of course, I share a little bit snippets with my family and that's just kind of all organic and natural. But as far as like the hustling goes, I really try to focus on keeping it a nine to five job nowadays. What's it like? I know you have two young daughters for them. How do you think about them? They're learning how to become influencers as they're growing up. Like how, uh, how do you think about that? You know, and it's just like that statistic you said, it, it doesn't surprise me. Right. I mean, obviously, if you're watching someone on Instagram, you see them thriving, you see them having fun, you see them creating c cool content, and they're making money doing it. Like, of course, who wouldn't want to do that? But I think there's a lot of positive things about it, and I think there's a ton of negative because, you know, I've sat behind a photographer while they Photoshop before. I follow a lot of people that you know that it is not real. But then I follow a lot of people that I think are super inspiring and show a lot of real life. And I hope that I'm one of those accounts. And I think that it's really important as like a user and like for my kids to see that it's not all reality. And I try to show them that it's and I try to tell my followers that it's like, you know, I try to be real here. But at the same time, I'm not going to tell you and my husband and I get in a fight. That's right. our personal business. Yep. Everything you see here is happy go lucky for the most part. But there's you don't see everything. Yep. You see such a small percentage of my life and it's not all real. And I'm happy to be here and try to be real as possible, but I also have my private life. For sure. And as far as my kids go, I think the most important for the me thing for me to show them is I don't want them to just see mommy on her phone all day yep. because then they're going to think that's okay. And it's so important to be present. And that's why I really did come to that realization that 
I'm not going to be a good mom. I'm not going to be a good blogger if I don't treat this like a nine to five job. I'm yep. going to go crazy and my kids are going to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> if it can never turn off. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It has to turn off. How do you think about like what you're going to post that day? Is it, is it thought about weeks in advance? Is some of it spur of the moment or? You know, I wish that I was a more organized person and yeah. that's one of my goals. And sometimes I'm really ahead. Like I try to on Tuesdays recipe develop and I'll try to I crank out four to five recipes and contents and then throughout the week I'll edit it and get it up and then it kind of I try to post three times a week so yeah. that really sets me up if I'm on my a-game but you know things come up and I'm working on other projects behind the scenes and that gets things go behind but if I plan out my content I realize I always end up posting what I feel like posting that day anyway and it just all goes out the wayside so I kind of have a back stock of content and just decide when to post it as I go. <laughs> this will be perfect. It's a very free spirited environment. <laughs> if you're out and about and you see something, cause I would imagine you're, you now have this mind for like, that would be perfect for the blog mm-hmm. and your spur of the moment, as long as you have your phone on you, do you go back home, come up with a plan and then go back to that spot? Or do you just on the fly get some footage and I would uh, definitely probably do it on the fly okay. fly situation unless it was one of those things that just wouldn't come together right I'm definitely more of a spur of the moment kind of blogger yeah. I would say that's, I think that's the best it's the most genuine yeah do you think about uh what to do next based on like what was just posted and what you've been getting a lot of attention on or it could kind of vary or do you have certain days that you do certain things or again just kind of spur the moment you know it there's definitely a little bit more method to my madness than than I lead on I try to like I said on Tuesdays do my recipe development but I also try to dedicate a couple nights of the week to do my cooking demos on my stories because people love that yeah and it's fun it is a lot of work I will say because sometimes you're just like I just want to get dinner on the table but people are visual learners and I can teach them something by getting on my stories and I want to be able to do that for them. So that's kind of one of those things that I set aside that I've listened to my followers that that's something that they love. Um, so I try to provide that. And then they're always giving me ideas. They're always encouraging me to do something different, which sometimes I listen and sometimes I'm just like, you know, that doesn't really fit me. It doesn't fit my content. doesn't fit my brand. I'm not going to go there. So it just depends. I'm all ears, but sometimes you got to shut off, right? <laughs> put the wall up. If everything's important, yeah. nothing could be important. For sure. And I think it's important to stay on topic with what you set out to do, because sometimes people will start asking you all these other questions about your life and it can get super distracting. And right. a lot of people come to follow you for what they clicked follow for. And yeah. it's like, if you start buzzing about everything else, it's just exhausting. <laughs> One of the things I respect the most, and I, I remember you writing this, Maybe it was a blog post or it was on Instagram, but you did like a story on just kind of this moment when you realize like, I don't care what other people think and I'm going to just do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Put yourself out there. Obviously that comes with, you know, moments of people saying things that might totally. hurt feelings, but I, I would have to imagine it didn't necessarily start that way where you're kind of timid when you start. Was mm-hmm. there a moment when you're like, I don't care anymore. I'm going to be me and that's freedom. Yeah. Well, for sure. And it's, and coming from someone who's a total people pleaser and right. I've, I've just have gone my whole, my whole life with, I've, I'm not someone to offend other people and I'm not, and I feel like I'm easy to get along with. So when you're coming on your page every day and what you are doing is good intention and you know, you're trying to be positive and people say otherwise it's frustrating yeah. and it hurts. And at some point you have to realize, you know what, I'm doing my best. I'm here 
in my heart, I know it's with good intentions and I'm doing the best that I can do. And if someone doesn't see that, then it's not worth my time, yep. you know? And one of my favorite quotes, it's actually by Courtney Kerr. She's one of the influencers here in Dallas. She was like, you, you can't be an avocado. Everyone can't love you. Yeah. <laughs> You're cilantro, you know, it's like, yep. not everyone loves you and understands you and you just have to, you just have to accept that. Yep. And it's been really, I think good for me as a person to grow because it's, it's impossible to please everybody, especially when you have Reno following you, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's, it's a good thing to learn and, um, something that you have to accept if you're going to enter this world of putting yourself out there publicly, that it's just the negative feedback is going to come no matter what you do. But it's mostly, I mean, it's obviously 99% good oh, at 1%. 99% of everybody that is within my community is so kind, so supportive. They're rooting me along all the way and I could not do it without them. And they're the ones that are helping me grow every day. So I'm so grateful for them. That 1%, it's exhausting, but I've gotten over that point. And I think that was at the point where I used to respond to every DM and I used to, and then at some point you realize this is, I can't do this. Right. My job will be just responding all day. Yes. And you know, it was like how I said, I had to treat it like a nine to five job. At some point you have to come to the realization that you can't please everybody. You can't respond to everybody and you just have to shift gears and realize, okay, this is getting bigger than I ever thought. And I have to shift gears and do this for my own sanity, but also still be present for the community that I've built. Yep. And and it is that it's a community. Do you kind of sometimes feel like I'm the mayor of Reno and these are my people and (laughs) totally, you know, you want to do well for them. Exactly. I mean, I mean, like I said, they're the ones that are cooking my recipes every day and they're the ones that are tagging me and they're the ones telling their family and friends about me. And that's why I grow and I love showing up for them and delivering content, but they also encourage me to do other things and they're rooting me along the way. So I'm a very happy mayor. <laughs> Do you know of any other influencers that are now influencers because they were inspired by you to start something? You know, I've there's a few that have, like, especially within the Whole30 community, that's a lot of my content. There's a really tight-knit connection between all the bloggers. And so... I, I, you know, a lot of people do these Whole30 recipes takeovers, which is a really big deal when you're in the Whole30 world. And I've done a few, and it's it'll be their first time, and they'll ask, you know, do you have any tips and tricks? And I'm happy to provide that, because I think that's another thing that some people are scared to share their tips and tricks, but it's like, people figure it out at some point or other. Right. Like, you... You might as well share your, you know, what you've learned along the way. It's just yep, like yep, how yep. Blair helped me. And you gotta be able to support other people too in their journey. Yeah. We've been, we've been talking a lot about it is, uh, the real value is when you realize that giving those secrets and giving it to the world, it's not creating competition. No, it's not it's hurting. It's, up. yep. And yep. it's helping other people. And if you, if everybody rises, we all rise together. Exactly. And deal. I know if I ever were to have a big project or vice versa, like we're all there to support each other because right. we've helped each other get to where we are. And that's the beauty of it all. What is Whole30? <laughs> so Whole30 is like an elimination diet. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with paleo. Yep. Um, it's like a grain-free, dairy-free way of eating, but paleo is more like a little bit broad. Whole30 is just 30 days. You're eliminating grains, legumes, sugar. That's no alcohol, by the way. <laughs> no wine. <laughs> um, and what else? There's other things that you have to eliminate, but it gets pretty nitty-gritty. But basically, you take those foods that are pretty inflammatory out of your diet, and this is like a, such a layman's term. 
yeah. description of what Whole30 is. So Melissa Hartwig, I'm sorry if you're <laughs> listening to this. But um, after the 30 days, you slowly reintroduce these foods and you figure out for yourself what makes you feel good and you can really evaluate it yep. and figure out your own lifestyle. And so then afterwards, Melissa Hartwig, who started the Whole30 also, wrote a book called Food Freedom, and it's really figuring out what works for you because there is no one-size-fits-all diet. The Whole30 is just for 30 days for you to figure out what works best for you, and then you kind of go from there. And so on Whole30, I guess different people will react to different foods differently, so Mm -hmm. that's for everybody to kind of find out. Yeah. And if you've done it, which I know you've done that Whole30, those 30 days many, many times, Mm Are you ever surprised by the results the next time you do it, or is it always now pretty consistent? No, it's pretty consistent, and I really only do it in January if I, if I need to, just because holidays and it's just a good way to kick off your year. And I, my worst habit at the whole thirty always reminds me is that I clean my kids' plates with my face, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I end up eating like four dinners every day. Yeah. Um, so it's just reminding you of your bad habits, and I think it's just a it's a good way to kick off the year and. Um, with good intentions with how you consume. <laughs> what did you realize wasn't that bothered you? What foods? You did? know, I, I think for me, I'm not super intolerant to anything. I can tell sometimes when I feel bloated after I eat, you know, beans or rice, but I still enjoy those things and yep. it's fine. I'm okay with a little bloat here and there. The biggest thing for me was after kids, I really struggled with postpartum anxiety and eliminating a lot of the daily consuming of wine at night and just everything on top of each other all those layers of just junk really cleared my head and also I wasn't really working out at the time I was just taking care of everybody else but myself and so the whole 30 really just taught me some good self-care things discipline as well as just how that eating clean can really have cognitive benefits as well so what are like don't have to give a super detail but what are the worst foods like what are the ones that Sugar. even people think <laughs> oh it's pretty good for you but it's really not good for you at all I would say the number one thing if you can really watch it's sugar yeah because that is just has so many negative things on your not just your gut but your brain your cognitive function like I said and it's in everything right all of the and nowadays, a lot of people, a lot of people are putting out some really great products that don't have sugar in them that are using clean ingredients. But you got to watch for it. And Whole30 really teaches you to be a good consumer and look at what you're eating and read the ingredients and be, just be aware. Yep. Maybe you do decide to eat it. That's fine. Yep. But that's at least you're at least you're aware and you're making a a solid choice for yourself. <laughs> There's been this huge shift in the food industry. So consumer product goods, you know, 10 years ago, it was all about, I mean, we're drinking Waterloo right now, but it was mm-hmm. all about maybe Coke, Dr. Pepper and, you know, Sprite. Yeah. And now there's hundreds of different drinks. The world is moving back to these smaller brands that you can connect with and be with. Talk about kind of the future of food and like what you're seeing and, yeah. you know, what people can expect. <laughs> and another thing that I think we saw 10 years ago is 100 calorie packs. It was all about calories. And that was like, the healthy it was all about staying slim and it's like okay there's so much more to what you put in your body than how you look um, obviously that's one of the benefits is if you're eating clean and you're feeling your body right it's wor- working more properly and you're gonna look better and you're gonna feel better but I think nowadays all these products that are coming out aren't about calories right like they might be really high in fat but they're they're high in good fat and they're not gonna hurt your body along the way that you're eating, you're actually going to be able to process it correctly. And it's not just fake 
shit. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if you can say that word on the podcast, yep. but it's just real. And it's your body can, your body can digest it and you can feel better. And, and I think it's really cool that all these new popular diets, like the whole 30, even though it's not considered a diet are, are leaning towards that. And it's not just about stepping on the scale and counting calories. It's right. about just being aware of what you put in your body. Right. And I think that's what these products are doing. And I think that's awesome. And I think just like simplifying the ingredient list on the back of all these products is huge for everybody Yep. in our future. Have you noticed that the way they're showing the ingredients is becoming easier to read or were the old foods so bad that I remember reading and it was all these 15 Foreign letter language. words <laughs> yes. and yeah. now it's maybe easier to read because you're actually reading about real food that yeah. has real content in yeah, it. Yeah. And it's like celery water yep. you know it's like straightforward and not like carbon monoxide blah 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 and you're like i have no clue what that is and yep. you know and i think that's one of the most important things that the whole 30 or all these new ways teach you it's like okay if you don't know what it is and you can't read it yep. you probably shouldn't be eating it yep. <laughs> so. and, and for all these brands and i know that do they reach out to you because how they're growing is through the influencer world mm-hmm. and so is it more you found their product and love it and they're realizing that or they're coming to you saying, you know, this is this new healthy product, try it out, tell us if you like it. And if you do, we would love for you to, you know, it's a, it's a definitely a little bit of both. Okay. And you know, when I was first getting started, it was like, let us send you some free product, please post for it. it was kind of more of an exchange of things that I like, but now like if I were to drink some Waterloo and they were to see that and they were to see like a shift in their engagement just because I post them that day. Of course, they're probably going to reach out to me and be like, Hey, we see that you like our product. We'd love to partner together, which I think is really great. But then there's also a lot that will have a new product and they'll reach out and then you have to try it. And it's this whole rigmarole, but usually it's products that I'm already aware of at this point Right before it was, you know, trying to get a partner to pay me was I know. Please. <laughs> swimming in the deep blue sea. Yep. But um it was really it was so funny. That was one thing that I called Blair about. I was like, man, all these people are sending me free stuff, but I can't get paid. She's like, Well, maybe you should ask for it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you asked? No. Yes. So then um she's like, You need to put together a media kit, you need to put some rates on that and just not accept free stuff anymore. And that was a big turning point for me as well, just because again I didn't know what I was doing. I yep. thought people were just going to start throwing money at me. I but know. It's not how it works, apparently. You should know I want money. <laughs> so you you start getting this free stuff. You talk to Blair. She tells you um, in order to get paid, you got to ask for it. At what point is somebody able to get paid? And then how do you uh, how do you determine like what something's worth online? You know, it's tricky to know your worth, mm-hmm. and I think it's one of those things that you start low and you just keep. You just keep inching up. And then at some point, if you're going too high, I think you'll figure out real soon when you don't have any partnerships. Yep. Basically, the way that for, for me personally, the way that I get paid for the most part is a brand, a food product will reach out to me and I will create a recipe using their product. It'll right. go on my blog. That's what is authentic to my brand. Um, let me use it. Show people how I can take your, you know, packaged food to and turn it into something fabulous right. that it's not just cooking on a weeknight does have to be so hard, thankfully, because there's all these really amazing products now. And so I basically just showcase how to use those products in your kitchen and how to make a fun, easy, healthy, delicious weeknight meal. Right. And then they'll pay me for my time and putting that on my blog. And then it'll usually I'll have packages so I could just do a blog post. I could do a which that would be stupid of them. You want it on social as well. Right. The best package that I do that I offer is I'll make your recipe on my blog. Right. 
I'll post it on my Instagram and social media accounts, but then I'll also cook it on my stories. Wow. And that's more of my interactive promotion, quote unquote. Yeah. And I really, I always tell brands, that's your, the best bang for your buck. I right. mean, that's what people want to see. People are really visual learners and it's, it's really fun for them to see it used. Is it usually just a one-time occurrence or can they pay to have it, you know, for a year? Like we want this six times in six different recipes. Yeah. So that's something that, um, in the past it was like a one-time thing. And then, you know, after you do a partnership with people for so long, they start to realize, Hey, this is a really good influencer, which I hate using that Mm -hmm. word, but it's, it's the word. This is someone that we really like working with. We're seeing, um, that people are using our products from it and tagging me and them, you know, after I cook a recipe using the product, people will tag both of us. And so they'll be able to see that it's actually working and people are using those products. And so, They'll usually come back, but one thing that I'm trying to focus on this year is to really do more long-term partnerships rather than just all the short stuff because I just think it's more beneficial for everybody. And one thing to note, like whenever I was starting off, and you know Clayton, my husband, he yep. he's, has a very entrepreneurial mindset, and it's like once you hit like 20K, you start to get in the realm of you can make a, little, a small amount of money. Right. And I was so excited about that, but it, it was like brands that didn't necessarily match what I wanted long-term. And he was like, just don't partner with anybody until it's worth it because it'll pay off later. And luckily we were financially stable enough to be able to do that. But it's so, it was the best thing that I could have done for me and my brand. And I still keep that mindset today. And even if someone's throwing more money than I could ever imagine at me, it's not worth tainting my brand name and everything that I've worked for just for right. a check in the mail. So we've talked um, a lot on the podcast in previous episodes and it's exactly what you're saying. We as people can detect when someone's being genuine. Mm-hmm. It's just the a gift that we were all given. You know when somebody's salesy or yep. and to your point, no matter how much money somebody throws at you, even if you took it, your 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 audience or community would know it's not 100% totally. genuine, and then your overall brand suffers. Exactly. Yep. Everything just starts to crumble from there. And it's just a tricky thing because in a perfect world, I would just do what I do and not make any money, and everyone would always trust me. But it's like I work really hard. And, yep. you know, what we all do deserve to get paid, and a lot of people don't see that, but a lot of people are used to it. And they'd rather see an ad on my page with someone that they trust than a celebrity that they are so far reached from, and they just can't, they don't know them right. on a personal level like they know me and my page. So I think it's a cool shift in as far as how brands are working right. today. And like a long-term partnership would be something that, you know, if you partnered with, let's just say Waterloo, it would basically mean you're not going to be promoting any other mm-hmm. flavored water. Yes. It's and a, I would, you yeah. know, post something with them at least quarterly or once a month or whatever. How are those companies like you're in this world How are uh, food companies thinking about their marketing budgets these days? You know, I've noticed as I've done this every year that people, and maybe it's just because I'm growing too, but I just feel like people are before were really cheap about it and like, we'll just send you free stuff. And then it's gotten to the point where they're realizing we don't need to market on billboards anymore. We need to shift to social media and influencer marketing. And I've noticed they're putting a lot more money into it and really thinking about who they're partnering with and right. being specific about it. So I think it's cool. What, um, and this is, this is, could be a fascinating conversation, but how do you think about success as far as metrics? And so if you read a lot, 
is the guy with a million followers that, you know, everybody's just kind of looking at what he posts. Is, is he better than the guy with a hundred followers with the hundred people that are like a cult following? And so is it likes, is it amount of followers? Like, how do you know if you're being successful or that what you're posting is, is succeeding? You know, the whole numbers game is so bizarre to me because it just, none of it ever makes sense. I mean, you look at someone and it's like, I don't understand why they have this following and they don't have good engagement. And it's like, I think the most important thing to do whenever you're in the world that I'm in is just put the numbers out of the water. I mean, obviously I need to look at my metrics and see if I'm just losing followers by the wayside because I'm doing everything wrong. But I think the most important thing that I look for is that people are cooking my recipes every night, right? you know, and that they're good and that they're enjoying them in their own homes. Like that's what I set out to do is provide good recipes for them. And as long as I'm getting tagged in these recipes and people are telling me I cooked this last night, it was so good. Like that to me is success. Yep. So that's how I really evaluate it. And obviously the numbers are important because if you're going to partner with somebody, they want to know that they're getting that you have good engagement and all that other stuff. But um, like, what are they asking for in order to, you know, it just kind of depends on the brand. Most of them can just, you can look up other people's engagements pretty easily. There's websites for that. A lot of times they'll have me like screenshot how many people are looking at my stories a day, my um, metrics on Instagram, my metrics on my Google analytics for my WordPress blog, things like that. Nowadays I just have that on my media kit. So I don't have to go through the struggle of screenshotting every time. And once a month I'll update it, put my numbers in, um, that way it's just one big sheet of this is who I am. This is my numbers. These are my rates and here are my packages. And then we'll kind of talk about how we can work together and it either works or it doesn't. Right. And how long does that take from when they first reach out to making a deal a week, a Some, month, sometimes a week, sometimes two months, yep. sometimes brands have to go back to this huge mega brand and talk to so many people. And it's just this whole rigmarole. And then you know, sometimes they'll tell you by the end of the day and we'll be like, good, let's go. (laughs) You know, so it just depends. Are there agencies that are starting to come out that are, uh, you know, offering their services to help influencers build their business? Absolutely. I've actually been approached by quite a few recently and I'm hopeful to sign with a really great one, um, hopefully by the end of this month. And basically they'll, take off a lot of that negotiation part with brands. I mean, obviously I still have the final say in everything that goes on with my brand, but they will take a lot of that off so I can just focus on what I'm good at, which is creating really great content. And then I can be a little bit more present and, and engaging with my community because it has become so much more than just, you know, what meets the eye. Right. And there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. And there's a lot of partnerships that are coming my way now that I've grown that I don't really know how to handle, to be honest. And it's like, it's not just the sponsored post on my Instagram account. There's like some really cool opportunities that I'm worried that if I commit to them, I could completely ruin my brand name because a lot of it's out of my control and a lot of it's like quality control. And I just, it's a realm that I'm not sure it. So I'm at the point where I need somebody and I've had a lot of people reach out to me. So yes, answer their question. There's a lot of them these days. And I think it's a really cool business to be in. And I've met some really great um, I guess they, they're called managers. So I need like a Chris Kardashian on my team. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two questions from that. One, at what point should somebody that is trying to build this type of career start thinking about an agent? Is there a certain amount of followers or is there a certain metric they should look for? Or You know, I don't think so. I think if I, if I would have signed with someone last year, it wouldn't have made sense. Right. I think at the rate that I'm growing and at the rate that I'm trying to push things and there's so many things behind the scenes, it just makes so much sense. Like 
I desperately need help. And I think anybody will realize at that point where it's just unmanageable to do by themselves. I think if you do it before then, then you might not really understand your brand well enough to like sign with the right person. Right. Um, And I think it's important to wait until you have that gut feeling that it's just time. But like I said, last year I kind of thought about it and I reached out to a few and it was just like, it just didn't make sense. I wasn't to the point where I was creating enough income financially with my blog. I wasn't at a point where I really understood how far this could go. It's like within the last year I've, I've realized there's so much more that I could do with my brand than what I'm doing. Right. And, um, now that I've seen that light, it's like, okay, yep, it's time to bring someone on to really help me manage this. What questions should somebody ask when determining what agency to go to? Like, what are the things that, you know, you've asked that separated maybe one group from another? You know, I think it's, for me, a lot of this has been like a gut feeling. I went and sat down and met in person, even though a lot of these agents were in different cities and just talked to them about what they saw me doing right. with my brand. And really before I even said anything about the things that I have in mind, I just listened. And there were some managers that were really good for some aspects of my brand, but then as a whole picture, like the one that I, I'm going to go with, like they just get it and right. they understand me. They don't want to change me because I know that there's a lot of influencers that have these like perfectly curated pages and that's great for them. And like, that's just their style. But mine, I never want to go there because I want mine to just feel like me. Like it has this whole time. I don't want to, I want to change for the better, but I want to completely change who I am. And they appreciate that. And they want that for me because they know it's worked from, from where I am and they want me to be able to keep that. So um, I felt really good. And then also I think it's really important to, at some point get a lawyer to help you out with these things there's a lot of contracts they're taking a percentage of everything that i do right which is kind of scary but i think it's going to pay off in the long run and it'll be really helpful yep so the ways that you could make money in the influencer world is obviously paid partnerships i would assume advertising maybe on the blog yeah which i haven't done that yet just because so so people hate it right they hate all the pop-ups but you know i think if you do it with taste and you have them tucked away in the right spots then there's nothing against it because it can generate a great income when you don't have sponsorships coming your way so that is another good way and obviously at some point if your brand's big enough products events events so you go all over the country right now and meet with your community yes which has been walk me through that (laughs) it's been a whole new realm and it's honestly what probably my favorite thing it's just because you know, I'm stuck behind this computer screen and this phone and I'm connecting with people every day. And it's so gratifying to meet these people in person and just connect on a personal level. And so I've done an event in New York. I've done an event in Chicago and then of course across Texas a couple of times, but sometimes I'll do a casual meetup, which I don't get paid for that. That's just me wanting to just hang out with everybody and meet for coffee or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'll just kind of set that up and it's just very low key but then is it anybody can come or do you limit it to a certain amount of people can come cool and then sometimes it'll be with either a partner or there's these like there's people that literally just connect bloggers with their communities and they'll put on these events it's called hello wellness i've done i'll be doing my second event with them in may so there's lots of cool ways to connect i really like the meetups the most because they're just casual you don't have to worry about all the fuss and making it super exciting for anybody they just come they're not expecting much other than just to connect with you and meet you and just have a genuine hangout session rather than 
here, here's free stuff, here's your swag bag, here's yeah. this, and that just gets up to me overwhelming, and it's like, it's out of your control sometimes, and right. it's just weird, so. Yep. But it's also, if someone else is doing it, it's fun. I yep. mean, who doesn't love a swag bag? I know. <laughs> with food in it. Exactly. Good food. <laughs> is there a moment with somebody in your community that you'll always remember or somebody said, sent something to you? Or? Honestly, like not every day, but I will say like at least once every few days, I'll get a message of like somebody's mom that was so sick and she hated eating healthy. And then she started cooking, you know, recently this is one that comes to mind. Um, this girl started cooking for her mom my recipes and didn't even tell her that they were healthy and she was loving them and she finally told her mom these the, all week we've just eaten whole 30 food like did you realize that yeah and now her mom only cooks my recipes and she's you know on the up and up with her health and it's just like stories like that just that's the, that's the fuel to keep it going. oh my gosh so much fuel that's awesome yeah you were talking earlier Food will help with people's weight, but now it's looked at as like how it helps your mind and helps you think and clears your head. Do you see that? I mean, you literally can oh, yeah. think differently based on what you're eating. I, I totally think the gut is connected with the mind and people will say I'm crazy, but I mean, I think there's more and more studies that are coming out saying the same. And like, especially with like autoimmune disorders with people that really are intolerant of a lot of foods when they cut those things out of their diets they're they're fine right they can function normally and before they were so sick like in the hospital and it's like just their diet has changed i think that alone says so much about the food that we eat and i know from a personal aspect i used to i was in such a slump with my anxiety i'd never struggled with anxiety before in my life i was taking medicine i was you know having to go to therapists and which is there's nothing wrong with that i mean but at some point you need to look at the other things in your life that you could do to help manage it and i'm to the point where i can manage it just based on what i eat right i always can go that route and go take medicine if i really need it but i can manage it myself with just food and what i consume i mean not that if you look back centuries the average human lifespan is growing considerably and you know, people, you know, 2000 years ago, they averagely lived about 30 years. But for those 30 years, you know, there wasn't all these medications and there wasn't all this. I mean, we had the resources we had and it feels like that's kind of coming back is let's just use what God gave us or what the earth gave us. We don't need all this, you know, pharmaceutical created stuff. Yeah. And I think that's great. And I think there's a happy medium. I think medicine is awesome, but I think you should always look at the other aspects of your life. It's like, think, okay, what else could I change within my daily lifestyle that could help me heal? It's not medicine. Um, And, you know, try that. And then if you really need to go the medicine route, which I think there's a thousand bajillion reasons why you would have to use medicine and I think it's great but I think it's really important to evaluate both and just be informed consumer and just read and understand like all the different aspects of what you could be doing to help you be healthier if there was one like hack or tip that you would just give to everybody of just do this one thing and you'll start becoming healthier it'll kind of help you go down that road of where I've always struggled and I is diets. Like I'll do it for two weeks, three a month. Totally. And then that's over and I'm back to where I was. Cause it was more of a fad, not something that was permanent. Yeah. And I think that's so tricky because I think so much of us have gotten on this roller coaster of yo-yo dieting. And it's like, we binge, binge, binge on the weekends or when we go on holidays and we come back and we're like juice cleanse and then we're starving. And then we're like, yeah. okay, let's binge again. Cause we're so hungry. We haven't eaten all week. And I think, 
one thing that I always try to remind my community, it's like, I go on vacation, I drink all the margaritas, I eat all the enchiladas or whatever, wherever I may be. Obviously, I'm in Mexico right now. Right. <laughs> um, and then I come home and it's like, instead of just like juice cleansing, it's like, okay, put my best foot forward, just eat really clean all week. So that way on Saturday, I'm not going to go for pizza because I'm just so hungry. It doesn't right. even matter. So I think it's really important to find that balance and have this like, obviously there's not one thing. But I think if you just try all week that you can splurge and not feel so guilty about it and not get on this like roller coaster wave. Yep. Can you talk about some maybe apps on the iPhone that help with picture editing or just like things that are free or very inexpensive that could help people? Definitely. So I think the photo thing has been, I mean, if you saw some of my first food photos, you would not want to cook them. (laughs) And it's really important for food to look pretty right? or else people just assume it tastes horrible. So it's been one of those things that I've read a lot about and I've learned a lot about and I've just gotten better with time. So I think first of all, just playing with it. Natural light is key. Um, I do have the app Afterlight for whenever I do take iPhone photos, but all my uh, blog pictures, I use a nice camera and I edit in Lightroom and that has been um, a learning curve for sure, but it's also become this like hobby that I'm really addicted to and I love it. Um, So Afterlight's one of my favorite apps. I also enjoy the app Snug. If I have a picture that I'm like, is just good. I mean, not that I super curate my content, but at the same time, I'm like, is this picture going to make my whole feed just look like horrible because it's so bright compared to the rest or whatever. Right. Um, Snug will help you. It uploads your Instagram feed so you can put a picture in and just see what it's going to look like in oh, your wow. feed um, ahead of time. So Snug's a really great one. Afterlight's really great. Word swag, if like you ever want to like write stuff over it, like if I'm ever doing an event and I want to post on my stories, I can like write little things on top of it and post that. So there's a couple of good ones. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Are there any social networks? There's Instagram and Facebook, the obvious ones. Is there anything you notice that's up and coming or stuff that you use outside of the main ones? Or I think YouTube is awesome. Okay. Um, I think that's one of those things that's just never going to go away and yep. it's just going to keep thriving. That's one of my goals for this year as well. And I hope with hiring a new agent that I can really pick up my video content because like I said, people are visual learners, but I always want to keep my stories more like authentic me in the kitchen, right. but also have some just for my blog. That's a little bit more done correctly and <laughs> professionally. Yep. So I think YouTube's great. But other than that, I don't release. some people say Instagram's dying. I have a hard time believing that. I think people are getting sick of some of the content they're seeing. And some of the fake stuff that they're seeing and all these people that it's just so repetitive. And it's like, so I, I understand that, but I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Right. How uh, do you think about, and we've talked a lot about this, like, how do you think about setting goals? Like, what do you know? Is How do you think about what your goals are going to be? For me this year, it's like, like I said, I have a couple goals, more video content. I really want to come out with like some pro- some of my own products and do some cool partnerships on that side. I would love to have like my own spices or sauces or things that people can easily grab. Like we were saying, all these new products are coming out and I would love to have some of my own products. And of course, I would love to do a cookbook soon and hopefully <laughs> that will be happening sooner than later. Um, so things like that to be able to provide for my community in another way that's not just my blog. Yep. So that's like kitchen, like knives or pots. Anything. Or, yep. The world, and I like love collecting dishware. That's like something that's another hobby. Yeah. <laughs> I've created all these hobbies on top of my hobby turned full-time business. Right. <laughs> and I love like 
collecting all these unique, like different pieces of pottery and ceramics and taking pictures of my food in them. So I would love to come out with my own like ceramic line or something fun and partner with someone locally. So if you're listening to this and do ceramics, (laughs) call me. Reach out. (laughs) Yep. So you've gone from 12,000 followers, you're at 225,000, that's in three years. And you think about the next three years and you're compounding at at a pretty high rate right now. Like how big can this get? That is a good question. And it's one of those things that I don't want it to consume me because those numbers, like I said, can be your worst enemy. But obviously, I would love to have more people as a part of my community and have more people cooking my recipes in their kitchen because that's the whole point. I don't know how big it could get. I think the most important thing to remember every day is just like show up and deliver the content that that your community is there for. And I think the rest just organically happens. And that's been the key to success for me and there's really no specific metrics to measure that but um, I think it's the most important thing who is your mentor or do you have a mentor well I said Blair helps me out a lot right she's definitely been super helpful to me along the way Um, so another woman in the whole 30 universe I don't know if you know no crumbs left Terry is her name she has been she's one of those people that whenever I did my first whole 30 recipes takeover she reached out to me and just kind of held my hand along the way and She's this like middle-aged woman who just kicks major ass. Like I am so inspired by her because she just has thrown all of your like Instagram, what you think everybody needs to be as an influencer out the wayside and just owned it. And she's doing all these really cool events and really connecting with her community. And she's one of those people that I can pick up the phone and be like, I am stuck. I need help. And she always will be there. That's awesome. The phone. So she's big help. And then obviously my mom's always been a big mentor to me as well. That's great. Yeah. Yep. Anybody that is able to say that their parents or their mentor have one of the biggest advantages. Yeah, That's for sure. incredible. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever received? You know, probably back to like whenever Clayton told me whenever I was a smaller blogger, he was like, just chill wait. out, mm-hmm. wait, be patient about this, do it right. Because if you start selling out soon, you're just going to be another yep. dud. <laughs> bet on the long term exactly don't make and decisions. just be really at some point it's like the defined dish is Alex and it's like it's yep. I'm it's me and if I do a bad partnership it says a lot about everything that I've worked for and it's just not worth it right and so just to be really careful about everything that I do and be really thought I mean thoughtful about it it's definitely scary because yeah. there's so many opportunities that are just so what should I do? And I think it, when it comes down to it, it's like, okay, if you have that hesitation, you probably shouldn't do it. Yep. Unless it's just one of those things that you're putting your, I mean, obviously events for me at first was were scary and I didn't want to do them. I've never done anything like that before. I don't public speak. And now I'm like public speaking all yeah. the time. So I think it's important to put yourself out there and get outside of your comfort zone, but at the same time, listen to your gut feeling and don't do anything stupid. Yep. And for somebody that's been wanting to do this, that's on the, on the edge and hasn't pulled the trigger yet. Like, what would you tell them? Like, just start putting content totally. out. Totally. I mean, don't worry about if it's perfect. You can, you can maybe go all the way back into my first Instagram post and that will inspire you. Yeah. Like you have to start somewhere. And I will say it took me about two years to find my voice and figure out what I wanted. And, you know, at first my blog was just a healthy blog and, you know, I cooked with all these things and it's like, it shifted into what it is today naturally and through time and you figure out what works along the way you get better at it you tweak things and then all of a sudden you're just like 
flying and (laughs) doing big things. And so I will say it takes a couple, it took me, some people it takes less. It took me a couple of years to really find my voice and figure out what I was really doing and what I, what I was, what I wanted to do with my page. Yeah. That's a common thread. I mean, everybody talks about, there is no like perfect uh, formula is get started and it's hard work. It's a lot of hours. It's not all great. And anybody that says it's not going to be hard. Oh, totally. Right. Like, exactly. Be ready to give it all you got. Exactly. And you can, I mean, I think the whole, the most important thing is just starting and just figuring it out as you go. Yep. So. The influencer community, I've been reading a lot about how Hollywood and celebrities in the past, Hollywood owned all the content and they would make stars out of these people. And now, and it's not that everybody's trying to be a celebrity, but now almost for free, as long as you have a phone and an Instagram account, you no longer have to be that lucky person that showed up in Hollywood and on the right day and got picked for that. Now you can um, go do it. Do you know how big this community, like how many people, how many influencers are there maybe in the food world? Thousands? Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. And it just depends on what numbers you're looking at. Like big influencers, small, like there's just, I mean, I get tagged by all these people that are trying to start their blogs every day. I mean, everybody's wanting to tap into this influencer world and they're trying to figure out how to tap into it. And some people are like, Oh, I'm too late in the game. I'm like, I think it's just getting started. Yeah. You know, and especially in the food world, it's like, that's whenever I met with the management firm that I, I think I'm going to sign with, they were just like, we haven't even tapped into the food world. It's about to just get big. I'm excited. I love food. I love (laughs) bring it on, (laughs) bring it on. Well, Alex, this has been an awesome conversation. You you really do inspire the hell out of me. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome Likewise. what you're building. Every company today and how we think about Fort, you are you have to be a media company to survive in today's world. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what industry you're in, what you're selling, to what you said earlier, people aren't following you just because of Whole30. They're following you. Mm-hmm. And they if they just wanted Whole30, there's a lot of places to go. But being authentic means writing native content, putting out native content, putting yourself out there. And you've done such a good job of that. The numbers speak for themselves. You are the mayor of Reno. We, we, we figured that out today. I need to visit Reno. I've never been. In a, in a year when we when we do a follow-up, it might be New York City. But thanks for joining me today. And uh, seriously, been just unbelievably impressive to watch you grow. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Chris here again. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a quick review for us on iTunes. It will help more folks discover each episode. You can also reach me on Twitter at Fort Worth Chris or our email at thefortpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.